Hey, Customize Your Life World, we're super excited here. We're here with Mr. Sam Silverstein. He's the author of several books, including No More Excuses, Non-Negotiables, Making Countable Decisions, and No Matter What. He speaks internationally. He's worked with teams of companies, government agencies, communities, organizations, big and small. Thank you so much for taking your time. Uh, we had to, uh, you, you had to really put some time aside, and I really, really deeply appreciate that. Well, Tony, it's a pleasure to be here, and it's an honor that uh, you want to sit down and talk about this. It's important to me, and it's, it's nice to know it's important to you as well. Oh my gosh, this is probably my most exciting or favorite topic to talk about. It's um, definitely mine. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, accountability is one of the most misunderstood words in the English language. And uh, most people don't know how to spell it. We want it in others, but you know we're not willing to have it in ourselves. And, yeah. and what I've discovered, because I've been on this journey, this journey to this moment for about 26 years, and it was about nine or 10 years in before I realized really what I was searching for was this deeper meaning in what accountability really is and can be in our lives and organizations and our community, um, because. Everything we've been taught about accountability is wrong, yeah. and that's why we struggle with it. Accountability is not a way of doing. Accountability is a way of thinking, and specifically, it's how we think about people. Okay. So we can look at it individually, we can look at it organizationally, we can look at it more globally. But it all comes back to it's how we think about people. When leaders in organization try to manipulate people to do more by holding them accountable, that's not accountability. Uh, accountability is actually leadership creating an environment that inspires people to want to be their best, yeah. to want to be accountability. And when that happens, then those organizations really thrive. Wow. So the depth of what accountability really is goes much deeper. I define accountability as keeping your commitments to people. Okay. Keeping your commitments to people. Now, when, when someone hears that, they go, oh, that makes sense. Okay. So, yeah, I need to be there at 10 o'clock. And if I show up at 10 o'clock, then I'm being accountable. Those types of commitments are, are just the surface stuff. If it's a business setting, if I'm supposed to have that report to you by 3 today and I don't have the report to you, um, if I have all the resources that I need, if I've been trained in how to do it, and this is like the second time it's happened. You should fire me. You should get yeah. rid of me. Why would you let me stay in your organization? And so those types of commitments are not the ones we're talking about. But what we're talking about are the more meaningful, deeper commitments that a leader takes on when they accept the responsibility for being a leader. Now, that can be in an organization. It can just be in our life as a parent. Um, as, as someone in a family unit, it can be in our community, it can be in your church, or your synagogue, or your mosque. Um, it, it, in any setting, we become, we ascend to that level of being an accountable leader when we take the responsibility for those people we lead and we keep our commitments to people. Hmm. That's the foundation. Well, what, I mean, that's, that's amazing stuff. And you really attack this topic in a totally different way than any author that I've ever seen. I mean, lots of authors have talked about accountability and it's in leadership books and whatnot. Um, what kind of got you on or going on that journey? What were some of the people that influenced you? We kind of touched on it a little bit. Would you mind talking about that and kind yeah. of giving a little yeah. bit of your background? We had some great conversations yeah. before we started shooting, but let, let's go there. Yeah. And, and, and so, 
I was writing and speaking for 10 years okay. and my whole focus was how, how do I get to be better? Yeah. How do I be better as an individual? How do I make my organization better? And, it, and ultimately also, how does that transpose into a better world? And so it's always for me about being more meaningful and being better. And I was all over the place. And it wasn't until I was about 10 years in that I realized that my closest friends in, as professional speakers and business associates couldn't even recommend me to speak to organization because they didn't know what I spoke about because I spoke about everything. Okay. And that's when I realized that I needed to fine tune and, and, and center in. And so I looked at, at what it was and I realized the foundation for everything was accountability. That's the foundation. And if we can't mm -hmm. get that right, then we're going to struggle with everything else. And so that's when I started researching. That's when I started interviewing people. That's when I started writing on accountability. Um, so along that way, obviously a lot of people impacted my life and a lot of people uh, came into my life. Then I, I, I ended up getting connected to the president of a bank in Amarillo, Texas. Now how somebody from St. Louis gets connected <laughs> to the president of a bank in Amarillo, Texas, that in itself is a long and amazing story. Yeah. But the woman that connected us, um, it brought us together. And I met this gentleman and ended up writing a book about this bank titled, you mentioned it, Non-Negotiable. Yeah. And it's the story of Happy State Bank and the power of accountability. And there is a real bank out of Amarillo called Happy State Bank. <laughs> and, and the CEO of the bank, J. Pat Hickman, created with his team this organization based on a set of values. And they live those values completely every day, all day, 365 days a year. Wow. And in writing that book, for me, it was transformative. It transformed the way that I was seeing accountability, the way I was thinking of accountability, what the real depth and the power of accountability could be because I had the chance to see it in action. And the reason a lot of people struggle with it, we already said they don't really know what it is. They think it's holding people accountable. It's helping people be accountable. Totally different. And they haven't seen how powerful it can be in action. So here's how it works. Um, you know, we all talk about values. Oh, yeah, I've got values, you know. And, um, values are important. And organizations have their value statement. Um, the problem with values is no one really knows what their values are. They think they do. Um, organizations are great at putting them on pieces of paper and putting them on the wall. And I've, I've had one client that they had them posted in the bathroom. I'm not sure what they thought they were going to gain by that. Yeah, exactly. But the reality <laughs> is they're of no use to us yeah. unless they're in the people that are part of that organization. Yeah. And for most organizations, for most, now there are exceptions, but for most, they're not in the people. And if they're not in the people, the people can't live them. And if they're not being lived, then they're not the values of the organization and you should take them down. Because if you say something's a value and it's not showing up in your organization, it's a lie. Yeah. And if it's a lie, who wants to do business with you? Yeah. And so at Happy State Bank, you know, we sort of jumped to that. Um, they have 20 values. Now, there's no, we lead, we help organizations step through creating their values. And there's very specific things that values need to connect to if you're going to have a great, robust, complete set of values. There's no specific number of values you need to have. Yeah. Um, I live my life off of three specific values. Uh, we've helped organizations, they come up with seven values, 13, 10. The, the number's not the relevant issue here. One of their values is family first. Now, we've all heard that, family first. Yeah. Okay, oh, family first, yeah, family first. Sounds great, yeah. nice, yeah. Um, my youngest daughter's closest friend, we're in St. Louis. 
Um, my youngest daughter's closest friend, college graduate, at the time, a few years ago, lived and worked in Kansas City, um, and she got a phone call that none of us want to get, and it was a phone call that her brother had tragically passed away. Oh, I know, and 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 just an amazingly sad, horrific moment in time for anyone and everyone connected. We were just all torn up, and so. But I was moved by this because on her way out of her business, out of her job, to come home, and it's about a four, four and a half hour drive from Kansas City to St. Louis to put that in perspective for everyone, no matter where in the world they may be listening to this. Yeah. Um, the last thing that her boss said on the way out of the door was, how soon will you get back? Wow. Now, their organization talked about family first, but it meant yeah. nothing, yeah. okay? It was just words someplace on a piece of paper in the bottom drawer in someone's desk in storage, okay? Wow. That's what it was. Now, at Happy State Bank, family first is, if you're missing a family event because of work, and work is the excuse, that's a dismissible occurrence. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean you don't get your work done. They know that they need to, because they have values that talk about that. Yeah. So, yeah, so you go to that soccer game or that birthday party or whatever it is, but maybe you come back that night or maybe you're in there Saturday afternoon or you're, but you're getting your work done. You're doing yeah. what needs to be done, but it's left up to you to figure it out. So when they have a value, they live that value. They live it to the level of non-negotiable. Now, there's two things I need to connect to this. Yeah. One, I go back to that organization in Kansas City. I don't know if everyone in that organization acted that way or this was just one outlier. I wasn't there. But here's what I know, that if that person was a leader, and if that person was an accountable leader, they should have turned to this young lady and they should have said, how are you getting to St. Louis? And when she said, I'm driving, they should have asked her, are you okay to drive? Why don't, let me buy you a plane ticket and fly you to St. Louis. Do you want me to drive you to St. Louis? Do you want me to find someone that can drive you to St. They should have been all over her with regards to looking out for her best interests. And they weren't. Yeah. So, in that situation, what happens to the relationship between her and her boss, the way it was played out? How would you say that relationship? Oh my gosh, yeah, it went down the drain. Yeah, when, they're, when are you going to be back? Yeah. And the opposite would be totally different if, if they say, let me drive you to St. Louis. Even if she didn't take him up, but it was a sincere offer because they truly cared about her as a person. Yeah. Now, those organizations, they're rare, but they exist out there. Yeah. They do exist out there. So, you know, I go back to the story with Happy State Bank, just to put it in context. Uh, uh, Pat's phone rings one day, and the person on the other end, he answers the phone, the person on the other end of the line doesn't say hello, they just say, you lied to us. And he's like, what? And, and she goes, you lied to us. I mean, that's kind of a crazy way for a phone call yeah, to start. Yeah, start. Well, she says, you know when we were in your office after we were hired? Because every employee at Happy State Bank, no matter whether in the North Panhandle or down in Dallas, eight and a half hours away, every employee, when they're hired, they go through a week of training, an uptake program. It's four days, I guess. And uh, it's called Happy Beginnings. And when your name is Happy State Bank, you get to name your uptake program Happy Beginnings. Yeah, okay. So um, at the end of that program, no matter what your position, either the next day or after you've been on the job for a week or so, twice a month, all new hires come into Pat's office. All new hires come into the CEO's office. They have in excess of 36 locations. And he spends an hour and a half and he tells them what they believe, 
what he believes, what they believe as an organization. He talks about their values and he shares with them how they live those values in the real world setting. Every one of them. And so she says, you lied to us. You said family first. Well, my boss, the branch manager here, won't let me have Friday the whatever off. It's my husband's grandfather's 80th birthday. They live 500 miles away in a small town. There's no way to fly there. I need Friday off to be at the birthday party on Saturday. He goes, let me get back to you. Pat calls the, uh, the branch manager and says, what's going on here? Uh, I got a call from so-and-so. She says, I'm lying to her. How come you won't give her the Friday off? What's wrong? What, you know, where's the breakdown in family first? And he goes, oh, well, let me tell you. You know, she comes in late all the time. Uh, she really doesn't do a great job. I think she's hung over most of the time. And I've given two other tellers off on that Friday. So, Pat's response was this. All that first stuff that she comes in late, she's not doing a good job, she's hung over. You should have dealt with that a long time ago. You should have let her go. Yeah. She doesn't fit in with the organization. Yeah. The other part about letting two people off on Friday. Are you talking, are you saying that with 650 employees, you can't find someone to come be a teller? Because if you can't find someone, then you call me, I'll come down there and be a teller if that's what it takes. But don't make a liar out of me. Now this is the CEO telling a branch manager, we said we believe family first, don't make a liar out of me. That's when you know that the CEO believes that the values are in play. Yeah. Every day, all day, no matter what the situation. Yeah. And that's what non-negotiable is. And when you as a leader live your values to that level, you're going to get a different result. Hmm. This woman for a second. Mm -hmm. She wasn't doing her part, but she still expected them to do their part. Right. Well, she was selecting which values she wanted to live. She yes. wasn't living all the values. So here's how it works. When you create a great set of values, first of all, they aren't numbered. They should never be numbered. And the reason they're never numbered is because there isn't a priority. Okay. Do you love your children? Yes. Do you love one more than another? No. Okay. All right. Well, if something's a value, it's in play. Yeah. So if you have seven values, 17 values, 27 values, it doesn't matter. If they are values, they must be showing up in the organization, or they're not values. They're just wishes or wants. Yeah. So all values are in play. A lot of times people will say, well, what's the most important value? Well, there is no such thing as most important. We value all of this. They're all in play. And so you can't just live some and not live others, because if you're living some and not others, you're not living the values. Okay. Well, but I'm getting most, no. You either live the values or you don't. And here's where, with accountability, it's the gray that we get in trouble. The black and white, yes and no, the black and white is really where we need to be. When we get in that gray area, that's when we start going down the slippery slope. And so organizations think, well, I'm, I'm getting this value right, but, well, but you're not living that value. And so that's not complete. And so it's like organizations, I see organizations all the time that they give awards out to people that are, that are living the values. I'm like, are you kidding me? Why does someone get an award for living the values? If you're not living the values, why are they employees of your organization? Yeah. Everyone should be living all the values. Well, that blows their mind. They go, well, well, that's not gonna happen. Well, yes it is. It, yeah. it happens if you as leadership decide that that's how it's gonna be here. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Accountability is the highest form of leadership. 
one of the commitments that we have to keep as accountable leaders is a commitment to the values. You can't be committed to the values if you don't create the values, if you don't know the values, if you don't model the values, if you don't teach the values, if you don't protect the values. It's, it's not that it's complex, but it's hard and it takes effort. And most people have not seen environments, families, communities, or organizations where this is being played out, where it is being lived to that level of non-negotiable. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Well, it's interesting, like when you're talking about values and actually living them out, a lot of people just want to live a convenient life. They just want to do things that, you know, oh, well, these are my values as long as it's convenient. Why don't you talk about that a little bit in terms of doing the things that are hard or living out your values when it's hard? Wow. Well, I mean, that's really what it's about. The easy, anyone can make the easy decisions. We can all make the easy decisions. It's the tough decisions that really define who we are. Yeah. Someone once told me you're defined by what you say no to. So think about that. So basically, that's living that value. A lot of times is what you're saying no to. I'm not going to lie to that individual. I'm not going to cover my tracks. Um, I'm not going to shirk from my responsibility because it costs more to make it right than I made on the sale in the first place. You, you're going to do those things because it's the right thing to do. Doing the right thing is always the right thing to do. Yep. Period. Yep. There's never an exception to that. And so here's what the beauty is in the values. When you really identify what your values are, what you've done is you've solved, you've made every decision you need to make the rest of your life. You just haven't been faced with that choice point yet. Yeah. That's what I call it. It's a choice point that's going to come up in your life. A situation is going to present itself. And you're going to need to make a decision. Well, if you're making those decisions based on your values, you made that decision when you created those values, when you've identified them, when you committed to living them in the first place. Yeah. All you're doing is stepping it out on a daily basis. And so what happens is those values define how we do it here. So... Those, so Tony and my family, those values define how we do it here in the family setting. Yeah. Those values define how we do it in our organization. Those values define how we do it in the community. Yeah. It always is going to come back to those values. But it's those tough decisions that define who you are as a human being, as a person. Well, and, and in business, in business and in life, so many people, like I, I love how you talk about lying. So many people, oh, it's just a white, it's just a white lie. Oh, it's just, oh, it's no big deal. And I go, man, that's, that's so, it's just such a short-sighted way to think. See, like in, in our organization with what we do, I always teach people, like, look, you're either building trust or you're breaking trust. I go, if you're not communicating and you're not being honest, I said, we're going to find out the lie that you're telling. And now you're breaking trust. As opposed to if you would just have communicated what you were going through so we could help you, we wouldn't have judged you. You're, you are business partners. So like what's, and I think a lot of people, they, they, they move away from the short term pain that they might experience in the beginning by being truthful, but then they create more long term pain by lying. And, they, and if they would just look at things differently that way, they would make different decisions. You know, we talk about that a lot. So could you talk about? Well, lying and accountability can never coexist. Yeah. <clears throat> lying and accountability can never coexist. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, in the book, uh, no matter what, I, I talk about exactly, exactly, 
exactly that. Yeah. And because that's one of those ten commitments that the accountable leader keeps. It's a commitment to the truth. And the truth is means that you're not going to lie. It means you're not going to deceive, which is lying personified. You're manipulating <laughs> someone to get an end result for yourself. Lying and steroids. Really? Yeah, because it, it's, it's almost like there's lying and then deception is almost like premeditated. Because yeah. I'm trying to manipulate you to get something. Yeah. Now I'm making it about me. Well, that can't be leadership once it's about me. Yeah. Leadership's always and ever more about the person you lead. Um, so, and, and then there's not giving you all the information. And that's the same, that's a lie also. Because if I only give you some of the facts, but don't give you all the facts, I'm, I'm deceiving you. I'm covering up information that is going to explain or enlighten you to the truth of what happened in that moment. Yeah. And so, it's easy, you know, it's easy to fall into that trap of lying, but when we do that, then we're not accountable. Now you you mentioned trust, and and so, wow, that's that's a powerful word. We could spend a couple hours on that, yeah. right? But as soon as you start eroding that trust relationship because you lied, getting it back is is difficult, if not impossible. Yeah, really. Yeah. And um, and and so there's nothing positive that's going to come out from a lie, even a little white lie. So, give you an example. Um, people exaggerate. Yeah. What's exaggeration? Well, it's a lie. It's a lie. <laughs> yeah. And so now in my business is you know is so I, I write books, I work with organizations, but you know I'm on the platform speaking all over the world. It's just it's something that I've been honored with, and yeah. so. Speakers are notorious for embellishing a story. Well, we embellish a story. Why do you embellish a story? Well, I get a bigger laugh if I embellish the story. Well, if you're a comedian and your job is to write comedy, well, that's not that's not truth. You're not presenting it as truth, and so you're you know it's it's fiction. Yeah. But I can't do that. I can't do that when I'm on the stage. What I share has to be truth. Now, you know, I can, I can say, well, I walked into his office and I mean, you know, it was just what you thought a bank president's office would look like. It's like three football fields long. I'm not portraying that as truth. Nobody thinks I'm portraying that yeah. as truth. Okay, so that's not what I'm talking about. But when you exaggerate, when you try to make yourself the hero, when you try to put the light back on you, when you're twisting the facts to make a point, that's lying. Yeah. You can't do that. You can't do that. No, that usually doesn't work out very well for, for anyone. No, but here's the thing. It does work sometimes. And so what happens is we think that, well, that worked. It wasn't right, but it worked. Yeah. So if it worked and I got away with it, it's okay to do it again. If it wasn't right to do, it doesn't matter if it worked. If it was wrong to do, it's still wrong to do even if you got away with it. Well, and then, and, you know, then with people like that that get away with it, now what they're not seeing is, okay, well, what about all the opportunities I missed because people knew I was lying? You know, you mess the job up. You, you drop an expensive piece of equipment. You miss the deadline. You botch the close of the sale. Whatever it is. Yeah. Um, it happens. But why? If you lie to me, you're gone. Why would I want to work with a liar? Now, here's the thing. When, as a leader, 
if you're telling the truth and the people know you're always telling the truth, they don't have to think about what you just told them. They don't have to judge it. They don't have to question it. So what do they do? They move forward. In today's day and age, speed is a critical aspect of successful people and successful organizations. When people know you're only dealing in the truth, then they can move with greater speed. And if you can move with greater speed, you're going to get a greater result. Yeah, well, there's a great book, Stephen Covey's Speed of Trust. You know, and, I, and I love that book because he, he talks all about that. And literally, the whole book is about that. So just um, to touch on this, it's funny when we talk about lying. All right? um, what a lot of people do is even if they get a little further because they tell a white lie and they may win in that one example, because you know, a lot of liars think they're winning. You know, um, But what they're not seeing is they're not seeing all those other opportunities that they're missing. Because, you know, if, if I work for you and I lie to you, but you know I'm lying, I, one, I might get fired. But another thing is you may just not open doors for other opportunities, you know, because you see, man, if I'm going to lie in the little things, what happens when a big opportunity comes along? What happens when there's something, you know? Well, that's going to go against one or more of my values. Yeah. So you're not living the values, so we're done. Yeah. It's... It's that simple. It's that simple. Yeah. It's that simple. I'm, I, um, look, unemployment right now as we're shooting this is probably at an all-time low in the United States. Yeah. And um, in many parts of the country, it's like 2.5%, yeah. which really is zero. No one's looking for a job. Yeah. And I, I have clients all the time that tell me, um, you know, we have a hard time finding good people. We have a hard time finding good people. Uh, you know, in our industry, in our state, in this part of the country, it's hard to find good people. And, and I understand that. I'm sympathetic and I'm understanding. But I also know about a, a construction company in Lubbock, Texas, that um, for every opening they have, they get 100 applicants. Wow. Now, in the construction business in Lubbock, Texas, getting hiring is not easy. It's difficult. There, there are not a lot of... Uh, uh, there are not a lot of people looking for a job per se. But when this company has an opportunity that opens up, there's a hundred applicants. Wow, for one job opening. Right. Why is that? Well, I'm assuming, obviously, they have a great culture, great values. Exactly. Yeah. People want to work for that organization. There's a reason for that. And it's proof that it can be different. It doesn't have to be this way. So people tell me, yeah, you know, well, unemployment's low by us. So, you know, I can't just fire someone because they're not living the values because I, will, I won't be able to replace them. Yeah. And I'm like, they don't know better. That's how they believe business operates. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. I've seen too many cases where organizations that are living the values create a much better organization. Their sales go through the roof. Their people are happier. Engagement is higher. Productivity is up. All these positive things flow out of that organization where they're creating a culture that inspires people to want to be their best and to want to be accountable. Yeah. And so for someone that's worried about not having enough and having the employees or being able to hire people, there's something that they don't realize. There's something that they don't know. There's something they don't understand. And it's very difficult to tell them that, well, hey, you're missing out on something and you just don't get it. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, I mean, everything that we're talking about is amazing with values. How, how do you help either an individual or a couple or a family or an organization, whichever one it is, 
how do you help them craft out their values? Which well, I know is long, it's a long process, but... Yeah, I mean, with an organization, we actually spend the... We spend between a half and three quarters of a day doing this. Mm -hmm. And we have it down to a science. Yeah. Um, and so there's several things that you have to know before... You, you have to know who the people are and what they're trying to do and what their fundamental belief system is. And uh, um, all that is, is, is helpful when you start this journey. But there's four specific areas that values need to attach to and connect with. And so we step people through that conversation so that they can understand how their life, their organization, their community connects to these areas and, and then the values generate themselves. I've never created a value for someone. I lead them to finding those values for themselves, what they truly believe, what's important to them. They just need to contextualize. They need some framework to work within. And so it's about having a conversation and digging deep of what really does matter to you in your life. We're talking individually. Um, what what matters to, to you and, and, and Francis? And, and what's the, the life that you want to build for yourselves as a couple, for your family? Um, what's happening within those four walls of your home? How are you connected to the community? There's some deep and meaningful conversations that bring all this to the surface. And then it's about defining it very specifically. Because one thing I know is if you tell me one of your values, I mean integrity, okay? That's one of my values, all right? But what does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? What does it mean if, if you're not very specific and really define it out very specifically, then you have no way of living it. And in an organization, whether that organization is a family unit or a company with three employees or 3,000 or 30,000, um, there's no way for everyone to live it the same way unless they understand it the same way. And so that's why it's not just about identifying seven words. I see this all the time. They have their seven words. Well, that's fine, but those seven words mean something different to everyone. They're coming, that organization's coming up short. They just don't know better. At Happy State Bank, okay, one of their values is PDI. P-D-I. That stands for produce, damn it. That's the value. And it explains exactly what it is, okay? Um, well, that's just as important as family first. It's just as important as, as that you're going to laugh at work. Yeah. One of their values is laugh at work. If you don't, they'll fire you. You can't be, I mean, so, so there is no ranking in those, in those values. They're all equally important, but it's how you define the values. So one of their values is integrity. And so uh, the narrative goes something like this, do what's right. Do what's right. The first time, every time. No matter what it costs, no matter who it offends, um, no matter the perceived consequences, it's what we're known for. And it goes on and there's more there, but you get the idea. It explains it. So you know that if, if you have a, a loan that's making you $500, I'm just making this up, you know, but you screwed something up and it's going to cost 600 to fix it. It's okay to do that because that's if that's what doing what's right is, that's what's expected in that organization, and you better do that. Yeah. Okay, so now when you come into an organization, so here's what happens. So we're talking about culture. Yeah. All right, culture is what's acceptable, what's accepted and repeated. 
Whatever is accepted and repeated is what's the culture. That's the culture. Now there's two types of culture. There's culture by uh, design. This is where you've identified the values. You're modeling the values as a leader. You're teaching the values. Uh, you're protecting the values. You're celebrating the success of the culture. All this is going on. And there's culture by default. Culture by default. None of that stuff's going on. Anything goes. It's Wild West. And so, you know, you come in at 9, I come in at 9.15, it doesn't matter. Well, in some businesses that's okay, and that can be part of culture by design. But in a bank, you know, when the, yeah. the a teller can't be showing up at 9.15, okay? Yeah. All right? And so, so, um, so you don't want that culture by default where anything goes. That's most organizations are culture by default. Huh. And that's because the culture is not protected. So the first thing is, you know, culture by design. You define it. You define it through the values. Number two, you model it. You have to model it as a leader. Number three, um, you teach it. Okay, so remember I said at Happy State Bank, every employee that comes in after the uptake program spends 90 minutes with the CEO learning what those values are. Yeah. And, and then those values are constantly talked about. It's part of who they are. In writing the book, Non-Negotiable, I sat in on, I, I, I had over a hundred interviews. I sat in on, wow. yes, I sat in on every kind of meeting that they have at the bank. So some of the meetings were like stockholders meetings. Some of the meetings, a monthly stockholders meeting, phenomenal experience. Uh, the annual stockholders meeting, the monthly board of directors meeting. I sat in on officers meetings. I sat in on, um, it's called uh, MMDB. Managing by drinking beer meetings. <laughs> After five o'clock, someone with their own money will go out and they'll buy a, a six pack of beer and they'll buy some Sprite or something if someone doesn't want to have a beer and they'll sit around and they'll yeah. talk. At all these meetings of two or more people, the conversation always turned to the values. Hmm. The, val the One or more of the values were always discussed. There were stories that were told of the values in action. They these stories become lore in an organization. When a leader of an organization is always talking about the values, always modeling the values, always teaching the values, everyone in the organization figures out, this is important to her. I better be living them. Yeah. And then they protect the values. And you protect them proactively through the relationships that you build with the people. But then you also protect them reactively, which is part of it. When someone's not living the values, you have to go in and you have to coach them up. Now, if you've been modeling and teaching and someone messes, hey, we make mistakes. You make yeah, mistakes. Yeah. I make mistakes. Of course. All right. So, so one of the values at Happy State Bank is if you make a mistake, fix it and fix it fast. Okay. So they give you the opportunity to fix it. But if a couple of weeks later you haven't fixed it, they're going to allow you to go someplace where that kind of behavior is acceptable. Now, let me flip it around and show you the other side. And this is what I see mostly in organizations. I'm, I'm in a major U.S. city, and we're running an accountability roundtable. And that's where someone that we have a relationship with wants to sponsor. They bring in leaders from the community. They bring in business leaders. They bring in civic leaders. They bring in leaders from the, uh, education from health and not-for-profit. We all sit around the table and I come in and they bring them in and it's my gift. I come in, uh, in essence, for free to sit there and talk about accountability because it's my mission. I want to build a more accountable world. Yeah. And, and so this is how we, we've got to bring these people together. We've got to talk about it. We have to, we have to learn what accountability really is. 
And so I'm sitting in one of these meetings and I'm talking about accountability. This was a large one, there were about 45 leaders. And I asked a question, I said, so what do you do if your number one salesperson is uh, disrespecting two of the people in the office? And a gentleman that was sitting right up front who was president and CEO of a business, he goes, well, I would move him to the corner office so he doesn't have to interact with as many people. Okay, so basically he's saying that, that we don't value relationships in an organization. You can disrespect people. If you disrespect someone, you're just going to get moved to the corner office, a more desirable location. Yeah. Um, we expect everyone else to live the values, but the reason we let Joe stay is because he, he produces something that gets to the bottom line. He's our number one salesperson. Okay, so what the leader in that organization just said is our values don't matter. If we have values, I'm lying by saying we have those values because I allow people to stay that are not living those values. Yeah. And this goes on over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, all across the United States, all around the world. And I hear all the same excuses. I already told you one of the excuses. Well, unemployment's low. It's hard to find good people. Oh, the culture in our country is different. But, you know, that's all yeah. a bunch of crap. Okay? That's yeah. what it is. It's a weak leader who's not willing to stand up and say, this is what we believe in value, regardless of how much you put on our bottom line. Hmm. Now, if the leader in that organization, instead of promoting Joe into the corner office, had said, you know, you know what our values are. We talked about this two weeks ago, and you're still disrespecting the people. I'm going to have to let you go. Now he goes into the office, or, or you know, the sales team, the other six members of the sales team are sitting around the table at lunch, let's say. Tell me how their conversation's gonna go. Yeah, after they see Joe leaves. Yeah. What are they thinking? Well, if, if I was one of those yeah. salespeople, yeah. I would be going, I, I would be excited about being a part of an organization that wasn't valuing just a guy who was producing a lot but treating everybody like crap. Oh my gosh, okay, so now you're excited, right? Not that's because good. you let go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because you're part of an organization yeah. that says these values are important. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So you're excited. Are excited employees good? Yeah. good to have? Yeah. What happens when your level of excitement goes up? What else is going up? Your energy's going up. Yeah, you're ready to go get them, right? Yeah. What else are you thinking and feeling? What else is happening in that time? I'm thinking that that owner mm -hmm. or the boss, the CEO, is back to back with me and that he actually cares about who I am as a person, not just about what I produce. Exactly. Okay. So now you know. Well, guess what? That owner, that CEO, whatever the title is, cares about the environment that I work in. Yeah. He's not going to let someone stay in this environment that's bringing it down, that's negative. What else might be someone thinking around that table? Uh, man, that people are going to be respected you know, in this organization no matter right? what. Right? Might you be thinking, oh my gosh, they let the number one salesperson go. They must think. They must believe in their heart that we're good enough to pick up the slack. Yeah. They're willing to go it with us. Yeah. Now, are you going to let that guy down? No. Or the gal? Are you going to let the owner down? Definitely. No way. No. No way. Hmm. And that's what creates an environment that inspires people to be their best, to want to be accountable. Yeah. And it's not the short view. Yes, do they have to replace the sales from that individual? Sure they do, but they will. After you've let someone go in your organization, have you ever had someone else in your organization come up to you and say, what took you so long? Exactly.
Because guess what? They don't want to work with that individual either. That individual is bringing them down. We work with organizations all the time to help them make this transition to, the, to an organization that has a, a culture by design where we have the accountable leader leading this organization and what happens over time is is the the place explodes they generate they their sales go much higher than they ever even dreamed it was possible because what happens is they get everybody on board the problem is that so many business leaders don't believe that this can work or don't believe it can happen or I could never let my number one salesperson go or I could never let the head of IT go or whatever the important position is and They've never seen it in action. Now, here's what you got to know about Happy State Bank, since we're using them as an example. In the 29 years that they've been under this current ownership group, the value of their stock has never gone down. Hmm. Never gone down. Not in, not during 2007, not in 2008, 9, 10, wow. when, when the, you know, we had a great recession, everything was imploding. Yeah, no. Dropping off a cliff. Th their assets have gone from $10 million to in excess of $3.5 billion. They, they do amazing things as an organization. Are there other, other amazing organizations out there? Yes, there are. But this is what happens when you really truly understand what accountability is and when you step it out. And one of those areas that you have to step it out through is through those values. Well, I mean, all of this is amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much. Um, I do want you to just really quick, if you don't mind, talk about your new book. That's coming out. Okay. I'm really excited to read it. All right. Just well, the title of the book is "I Am Accountable," and we've even we're, we've branded around it. So the website and where there's hundreds of articles and videos and everything is IamAccountable.com, and and of course you know, cool. we've got all the social media, YouTube, and everything that people can connect to. But the book "I Am Accountable" really takes everything that that we've been working on around accountability and structures it into into three convenient baskets, if you will. There's the individual accountability who starts with us, and, and then there's what happens when we take on these commitments in our life and we start living an accountable life. What happens to us as individuals? How do we do it? How do we step that out? And then, and then we look at, at, at the, at, at the as throwing a, literally a rock into a pond and it's, it's what we call the second ripple. And the second ripple is beyond me. It's how that impacts you. And so now as we start looking at that second ripple, then it's how does my account, accountability, choosing to live an accountable life and, and live these commitments, how does that bring more meaning into my life? And then how does that impact others? And so then we start looking at organizational accountability. So we've started micro with me. Now we're going to the organization. That organization could be your family. It could be your business, your company. Um, and so what does accountability look like in that situation as a leader? Yeah. As a leader. Now, I might not be the leader, you see, because most people that, that pick up a book are not the CEO. They're not the president. But they have some area of responsibility. So what yeah. we specifically look at is... How do you step this out and how do you live this in your area of responsibility, which may be part of a bigger story? Now, it applies if you're the leader, but if you're a leader, it, it's going to tell you how to step it out because that organizational accountability is critical. And then, then we look at, in, in, in the final section of the book, we look at accountability on a broader scope. So it's how do we bring more meaning to our life through accountability? How do we bring more meaning and success into our business? How do we bring more meaning and success into the broader world by creating accountable communities, by living an accountable life in the world? What's the second ripple in that situation? 
And so we look at, um, at interpersonal relationships in this broader sense and how we create a more accountable world by stepping these commitments out in that context. And so the book becomes a blueprint for creating accountability individually, organizationally, and in a broader world, bringing more meaning into our life and helping us all position ourselves to get the results, to get what it is that we're looking to achieve. That is awesome. I'm so excited to read that book. Great. Um, everybody who's watching this, make sure you pick up his books. His books are amazing. Uh, by far the best uh, author that I've ever you know, read books from in terms of dealing with accountability, helping organizations. Thank you again so much. Deeply, deeply appreciate it. This was great. And uh, love you. Customize your life, world. Uh, we'll see you guys soon. Definitely share the video. Uh, click the links, do whatever. And uh, we'll, talk, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. See you guys.